And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. We return to Joel chapter 3, verses 9 through 21. These verses provide a backdrop to the future battle of Armageddon and to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. We don't need nuclear warheads for Jesus Christ to exact his judgment at the Battle of Armageddon. It's the word of his mouth. The same word of his mouth that created everything that's created except evil. Word of your Savior's mouth. Verses I've just read are graphic. Even with that amount of bloodshed at the Battle of Armageddon, there will be survivors. And these survivors will need to face Christ the Judge. Armageddon comes just before the sheep and the goat judgment. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46. This is associated with the second coming return of Christ. And when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from the another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves will also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it. To me, these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. At the second coming event, when the Lord Jesus literally returns to earth to end the tribulation and to start the millennium, after the carnage 
of the battle of Armageddon, the Gentile nations will be assembled. Christ the judge will deal with the individuals who comprise these nations. And some individuals will be judged to be converted previously, and these will be called sheep because Jesus is the good shepherd. However, the majority of these individuals will be judged by Christ to be unconverted previous to this judgment, and he will call these goats. And this separation, which takes place at the very end of the tribulation and at the very beginning of the millennium and after the battle of Armageddon and after King Jesus has visibly returned and taken his rightful throne, and it is this separation which Joel the prophet in chapter 3 was predicting would take place in the valley in verses 9 through 16a, going back to Joel 3. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare a war. Rouse the mighty men. Let all the soldiers draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a mighty man. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations. Gather yourselves there. Bring down, O Lord, your mighty ones. Let the nations be aroused and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon grow dark and the stars lose their brightness. And the Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth tremble. Years ahead of these events, Joel was Holy Spirit shown about this future valley of decision. And there are three things to see about this future valley. First, it is a valley of the warrior, Jesus. We see that in verses 9 to 11. Second, it is a valley of the judge, also Jesus, verses 12 to 14. Third, it is a valley of the catastrophic. We see that in verses 15 through 16a. Friends, the Lord Jesus Christ came the first time, gentle, meek, and mild. But he is going to come the second time, warring, judging, disturbing creation before he heals it. Christ came the first time as the lamb for sinners slain. But Christ will come the second time as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus came the first time to save. Jesus will come the second time to judge. And it is precisely because Jesus Christ comes the second time as the opposite of gentle, meek, and mild that the valley of Jehoshaphat is the valley to review of the warrior, the valley of the judge, the valley of the catastrophic. And so we move to the third section of chapter 3 of Joel. But before we do, let's recap. The first section was payment. God is going to exact a payment from unrepentant, unbelieving, Christ-dishonoring Gentiles. That was verses 1 to 8. 
Second, the valley section. That God, in the person of Jesus Christ, is going to bring devastating, lethal judgment on the Gentile nations, the goats that will assemble in the valley of Kidron and the plain of Armageddon to fight against Christ. The third section and last section of Joel chapter 3 is Jerusalem. Let's read about Jerusalem in verses 16b through 21. But the Lord is a refuge for his people and a stronghold to the sons of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. So Jerusalem will be holy and strangers will pass through it no more. And in that day, the mountains will drip with sweet wine and the hills will flow with milk. And all the brooks of Judah will flow with water. And a spring will go out from the house of the Lord to water the valley of Shittim. Egypt will become a waste, and Edom will become a desolate wilderness because of the violence done to the sons of Judah, in whose land they have shed innocent blood. But Judah will be inhabited forever. And Jerusalem for all generations, and I will avenge their blood, which I have not avenged, for the Lord dwells in Zion. The last thing to see in Joel 3 is this title of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is God's very, very, very special city. It always has been and always will be. One day there will be an everlasting city called the New Jerusalem. You could read about that in Revelation 21, verse 2, verse 9 through 27. All of human history revolves around Jerusalem. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning, this is Pastor Nicholas, and this is another edition of Youth Talk. But today we want to have a ministry focus, and we want to talk about our cross-trainer program. Um, For those who may not know, and um, you may know of Calvary Bible Church doing Awana for many years. Um, But we last year transitioned from Awana to what we call cross-trainers, which is basically another evangelism outreach for our kids. And a time for them to come together, and and like we've, you know, said last year, it, you know, it's not much different from Awana. We do the same segments as we study God's Word together. We also have a time of games, uh, which is very, um, you know, what kids love, and and you know, we use some of the same games that we used to do in Awana, but also some new games. But we also just have a great time of singing and. You know, great time of studying God's Word. But one thing that I really love about this program is it doesn't just, it does allow our kids to memorize God's Word, but it doesn't just stay there. It allows them to start Bible study habits. It allows them to what they call a quiet time. And each kid gets a quiet time diary and they are able to, you know, have their own personal Bible study. But one thing I really do like about the quiet time as well is this. Is that if you have a kid that is, you know, a teenager, um, or they, they have a teenager and you have, a, say, an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, they can all be studying the same passage of Scripture. 
but at their level. And that's one thing that we really loved about, you know, seeing the change and we see the kids um, studying God's word. We see them really learning what it is to do devotions and to not just, you know, they also have that opportunity to memorize the word of God, but they have that time to really study it for themselves and know what they believe. And I think that as we, you know, we would love to invite you, um, invite your kids. Um, the days that we will be starting is September 11th. Um, and the, it says every Tuesday night from 6 to 8. And it's just a great time of, of, of fun, fellowship. Um, you know, we, we just have a great time around God's Word and we study God's Word. Um, and if you've ever been to our um, Vacation Bible School, uh, we have great um, music, great singing. Um, and we continue a lot of things that we did during Vacation Bible School. We continue them during the cross-training year as well with the the games and the and the song time. Um, but like I said, we, we change in the way of having a, a Bible study book. And um, if, if you would like more information, um, you could feel free to call the church um, and talk to me, 326-0800. And this is um, Pastor Nicholas. But again, we would like to invite you. Um, this isn't just something that, you know, it's just for Calvary Bible Church kids. This is for any kid ages 5 to 18. Um, we, we have a, a great teen club um, that, that allows kids, to teenagers to come and, and to study God's Word. And, and even in our teen club, they're able to break up into small groups and discuss the messages that have been taught, um, as well as all the other groups. Um, but it's a, a great time that when the message is taught, it isn't just we leave you there and, and, and say, well, wonder they understood. No, no, no. We, we break up into small groups and we discuss what we have learned. And it helps us to stay accountable because, you know, even our leaders are doing a quiet time and they are, you know, doing the same passage of scripture that our kids are doing. So we're all in this together and we're all in this this, this road of, of learning about God together. And, and we want to see them grow into uh, Christ followers, people who are on fire for God, people who are willing to um, take a stand for Christ and, and willing to do whatever it is to um, study God's word. Um as I consider, you know, cross trainers, again, as we um, change from one, you know, we, we want you to know that, um, you know, the one thing that's the focus of any program that we do here at Calvary Bible Church is the Word of God. So whether we change our program from a one to something else, the Bible is the focus. The Word of God is still the focus. Um, it's not about following a program, but it's about the Word of God. And it's about seeing kids, you know, come to a knowledge of knowing Christ as Lord and personal Savior. It's about kids studying God's Word for themselves and knowing what they believe. Because, you know, too many times in, in our culture, and especially in the Bahamas, um, we're all about telling people what they should believe. And it's nothing wrong with trying to show them from Scripture, but the reality is, is what we're seeing in today's world is when kids leave this island and they go off to college in the United States, we see their faith is always challenged. And because it's because they don't have the foundation for themselves. It is only what they have learned from their parents, learned from the pastor in the pulpit, but it hasn't become real faith to them. And what we want to see through cross training, we want to see as they study in their quiet times, as they go through doctrinal truths, uh, we want to see them to, to know what they believe. Because when you move from here and you, you go away, you can't always call them mommy and daddy. 
And we need to also remember that this isn't just something that we see when we go to the United States. It happens right here in the University of the Bahamas, where many people are, you know, they may have grown up in the church, but, you know, they don't profess faith in Christ. And you have to understand that you have to know what to believe to know exactly uh, when someone is telling the truth or not. You need to know God's word because there are many different religions that people believe in, and they will tell you this thing, and, and, and it may sound good. And they may even quote scripture, but the scripture may be out of context. And this is what we do at Cross Training. We really want to build a relationship uh, with your kids and see them grow in their faith. And the game is Cross Trainers because we want we recognize that we must die to ourselves and we must live and we are, we are trained by the cross, by Jesus Christ. And I, and I hope that you would give us an opportunity to, um, again, have this opportunity to, to just be there and to teach your kids. Again, the, start, the, the date is September the 11th um, from 6 to 8 for ages 5 to 8. And again, if you have any questions, please feel free to call the church office at 326-0800. This is Pastor Nicholas, and this has been a ministry spotlight for Cross Trainers. Today's Help for the Hearing segment is brought to you by Calvary Bible Church's Christian Counseling Center. The center is located at 58 Collins Avenue, Nassau, Bahamas. If you would like an appointment or more information, dial 323-7000. That's 323-7000. Or email them at cccbahamas at gmail.com. And now, the Executive Director of the Christian Counseling Center, Pastor Frederick Arnett. Again, I would like to thank uh, each of you for allowing us in your homes again this morning. Again, in the uh, studio with me is Deborah Arnett, and uh, we were, she was sharing about how we should bring up our children. I'd like you to continue from where you left off. Uh, the last time. So last week, the question that you asked me was, what are the two gifts um, that parents can entrust to their children that would have a profound impact on their life? Right, yes. And last week, I quickly addressed the issue of understanding who your child is and addressing the issue of identity, being intentional and knowing your child and their purpose and what God has created them for. And that requires prayer and seeking his face, um, but also attending to the things that you observe in them, um, their propensities to engage in certain activities that are productive and constructive and skills that they have. So if they're a writer, you know, giving them those pieces of paper so they can write their little stories when they're five and six and seven and as they age. Um, but another area that I think is so important and very potent when we consider what's going on in our culture today is fostering an understanding of your child's value. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that I've observed in my work and um, in the research is that fatherlessness erodes our sense of value. If our fathers are not present, we don't know this person. And therefore, there's a part of us we don't quite know and understand. Um, even if he is physically present but emotionally absent and there isn't a lot of opportunity to connect with him and bond with him and know who he is as a person, um, know his deeper essence, passions, what drives him. Um, it takes away from our understanding of who we are yeah, as individuals. Right, yes. Um, and I've observed in individuals that I've interacted with 
who may appear very adaptive and healthy, but who have a history of fatherlessness, that they tend to leave lifestyles where they're constantly striving, um, constantly trying to prove their value through the accumulation of material things, through their physical um, activities and accomplishments, and by acquiring the glory of men. Mm -hmm. And so they live this life where they're constantly in this rat race approach, um, where they're seeking to um, achieve acceptance through their um, actions, rather than recognize who they are as a person, whether or not they're um, excelling or they're growing or they're struggling, their value is present and it doesn't erode because you are in the process of developing or it's not majorly lacking. So, as I mentioned, fatherlessness does erode from a sense of an individual's value. Um, it's also important to know that if someone does not know his value, um, he cannot identify or honor the value of another person. Okay. And so when you look at our, our country, there is often this question that comes up about crime and murder. And people will say, well, how could they do that? How could they treat this person this way? How could they slaughter that individual that way? And I really believe the root cause of it is that a number of individuals within our community and our country don't know their value. Okay. Um, and they try to develop a sense of value by what they possess, by what they accomplish, by what they do, but they really don't feel valued and they don't feel valuable. Um, and they're struggling with a sense of feeling valuable so they cannot appreciate your value okay. and treat you with the respect and the honor that will result in the preservation of your life when they have a conflict with you or that will result in them being respectful to you when they're frustrated with you. It is far easier for an individual to take another's life when they don't know their value and it's far easier for an individual to disrespect or mistreat a person when they don't know their value. Mm -hmm. Um, That is why it is important for a parent to interact with their child in a way that confirms and affirms the child's value Um, and they are careful with the words that they speak over their children. Um, It is also important that parents engage in active listening when they're interacting with their children. Um, They're listening beyond their child's words to their child's passions and interests that they may be having a difficulty expressing to mom and dad. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the things that I found very important to relate to parents is that as you're interacting with your kids, one of the ways to show them that they're valuable um, and to demonstrate active listening is to engage their questions not blow them off and be like, I don't have time for that question. Please leave me alone. That's a stupid question. Um, But to answer their questions. If they approach you and say, Mom, do you think I'm pretty? Answer the question. If they approach you and they say, Dad, do you think I'm strong? Answer the question. Mm -hmm. It is easier to answer a question. It's so much easier to answer a question than to debate with a child about a statement. Mm -hmm. When they get to that place where they say, I'm not pretty. I'm not strong. I am stupid. That is much more difficult, um, an issue for a parent to navigate, trying to convince them their children of a, a truth right. than when their child has a question. And all of this is tied up into understanding a child's value and promoting a child's value. Okay. Thank you very much, Deborah. And uh, we hope that uh, as we listen to these, this information that we're receiving, that it will help us in being better parents. Thank you again, Deborah. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment 
and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliott. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 15, gives rise to this question, Who or what is Belial? In 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 16, Paul asks five rhetorical questions, each of which expects a negative answer. The stress in this section is on the incomparability of Christianity with heathenism. In verse 15, Paul asks, Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? The term Belial is actually a Hebrew word that has been translated into Greek and means worthless. In the Old Testament, the term is often joined with another word like son or daughter. In later Jewish writings, the term was used as a proper name for Satan. Paul is using the term in this way to his question, what harmony has Christ with Satan? We answer none. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 through 4, give rise to the question, who is the man that was caught up into paradise? Was this, what is this all about? Most commentators agree that Paul is relating his own experience of receiving a vision of heaven. Paul's vagueness about the incident and his use of the third person seems to reflect his genuine humility and uncertainty regarding details of the experience. He recounts that the vision took place 14 years earlier. Since he was writing 2 Corinthians in A.D. 56, we can date the vision around A.D. 42, while he was still in Tarsus before Barnabas brought him to Antioch. See Acts chapter 11, verses 25 to 26. Paul reports that he was taken into the third heaven, which is beyond the earth's atmosphere, which is the first heaven, and beyond the stars, which is the second heaven. Paul is not sure whether he was physically present in heaven or whether his spirit partook of this experience. There in paradise, Paul saw and heard some wonderful things. Paul explains in the verses that follow that God gave him a thorn in the flesh to keep him from becoming proud as a result of this great privilege. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 5 through 9. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. 
That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.